Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us today. Coming up here in just a few minutes, going to be joined by Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network. We'll get his insights on the NFL offseason, which includes Tom Brady's move to Tampa Bay, as well as the rest of free agency and the trades that were made. We'll catch up with him coming up in just a little while from right now. The sound of the show might sound a little bit different to you as we are taking part in the social distancing. I am at home doing the show today. Thomas is at home as well as uh, we bring you this week's podcast. And we got a lot to get to on uh, this week's edition of the Jones Report. But we got to say, first and foremost, in regards to this coronavirus situation that we're in right now, um, you know, this is uncharted territory. Uh, yes, it sucks without sports. It's an awful scenario. You know, for me, for example, it is hard for me to do my job right now without sports going on. But there is also the main factor in the big picture. And when you see that people's lives are on the line here, that people are losing their jobs, uh, losing their family members, that's the most important thing right now. And so for those out there that are dealing with those hard times, we're thinking of you at this moment and doing everything we can. I'm taking part, staying away from being out in public, trying to be at home as much as possible. And hopefully you're doing the same for your loved ones, that you're going out there and making sure they're okay in this uh, situation. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, uh, this is just unforeseen and really just hope everybody's out okay in this uh we're going to be in this together and try to ride this out right out the storm right now yeah i hope so i mean over the last couple of days i've just been stuck at the house essentially uh ran and did a few things for my grandma yesterday um but for the most part i'm just been kicking it here at the house um the job that i was at is uh closed down for the time being with you know, no timetable really on when that's going to open back up. So, um, I am just uh, living like it's 1999 again. Yeah, uh, we're all just kicking it at this point and kind of just waiting for everything to, you know, ease down a bit um, at this point in time. Um, about a week ago was the Big 12 tournament of, you know, what seemed to be uh, something that was, you know, going to happen without fans involved. That was the scenario that it looked like, uh, at least when it was announced on Wednesday, that they were going to have fans Wednesday night, but then go forward the rest of the way due to recommendations by the CDC to have no fans, and that the NCAA tournament was going to be the same way. But here we are a week later, and literally everything in the sports world has been shut down. You had a UFC fight over the weekend in Brazil that did not have fans. WWE has proceeded without fans from their headquarters in Orlando. They're going to have uh, WrestleMania over there. But other than that, the sports world has been uh, radio silence the last week. This has been something we've never seen before, and it's for the better. Um, you know, I hate that we've gotten to this point, but the health and safety of everybody out there is what matters most. Um, when you look at fans that attend sporting events, the majority are older audiences, older crowds, and you know they need to be 
need to stay at home. Uh, younger people, the more we found out about this coronavirus, the more that you can spread it and you know amongst people and we've seen community spread really outbreak and and affect older Americans in particular that are dying that weren't even out in public and such and so this has gotten to a really uh, bad point and I think that the worst of this uh, has not even happened yet the it, it's going to get worse before it gets better and um it, it's just really hard to put into words because we, we haven't been in this position before and you just hate to see it that we've gotten to this point Tom where um, I did not think that we would see the day that we would be completely quarantined at home uh, working from home completely I thought that you know hey this coronavirus thing it's going to come to the U.S. Um, we've been following it Tom and I have been on top of this uh more than probably most people. We were talking about coronavirus all the way back in January. And it seemed like back then, hey, this is something that's coming to the U.S. It's going to make its way here, much like H1N1 and Ebola and some of these other things. But to do this amount of damage, Tom, yes, lives are uh, at stake and people were you know, hurt by this and such and, and dying in the streets and you know just all awful things that are going on. But the economic impact, that's what's going to be the long-term effect in all this. People losing their jobs and, you know, just searching for hope at this point in time. Uh, I mean, that's going to be the long-term effect is the economic effect here is just awful. And and you hate it for everybody that not only are we losing lives, but uh, our economy is just falling apart right in front of our very eyes at this moment. It's... It's a terrible circumstance that, that we're in in all assets. We have no entertainment. People are dying, losing money, losing jobs. Nothing good has happened from this in the last week. Right. No, I don't think that anything's good going to come from it for a long time. I mean, uh, you know, they talked about even before this coronavirus that we were looking at another recession or the potential for another recession here pretty quick. Um, and that came before you even had a chance to happen. Um, so, uh, I mean, Jones, the last time I can think of something of this magnitude probably was SARS. That's when we were kids. Um, even that, you know, there, I don't remember a whole lot because we were younger, but, uh, I don't even think it was to this magnitude. Um, and then you see what happens, you know, see what's going on in Italy right now. And then, then you're thinking, oh my, if that happens here. You know, you said it's going to get worse before it gets better. I just hope it doesn't get Italy bad, because if it does, then I don't want I, I don't want to be a part of that. <laughs> I'm not going to have a choice. Um, but hell, I went to Homeland yesterday to pick up my grandma some groceries and different things, um, and run some errands for her. Um, and Jones, I mean, to, to no surprise, there was no toilet paper. Um, they even had little signs that says limit two. Well, there was nothing to get because the shelf was empty. It looked like the store had not been stocked in at least a month. And I get it. I do. Well, not the toilet paper part because if worse come to worse, you could just get in the shower and clean your butt. Right. But, right. I mean, if all things, it's just like, all right, you're buying paper to wipe your ass with. But, uh, you know, if, you know, if it came down to it, you could, you could get in the shower and do that. But, 
Or, you know, you could take a towel and do that and then wash it like the, you know. Yeah, you could find different ways. But that being said, um, all the grocery stores are completely empty almost. I went to Walmart, too, recently um, to get a few things. And it was like... I don't even know a metaphor to to describe it because it was so ridiculous. Me and my friend Miguel just laughed. <laughs> just the sheer ridiculousness. There was no rice, uh, no beans, obviously, no cheese. I got the last block of mozzarella cheese. Um, that's how crazy. And that's in Bartlesville. I mean, maybe smaller than some big cities because I also went to research uh, recently in Tulsa. And it was just fine. So, obviously, research is doing a lot better job than maybe Walmart or maybe just the Walmarts in Tulsa are getting cleaned out and everyone's forgetting how good research actually is. Man, uh, I uh, I went to about three stores to find toilet paper. And when I finally did, I went to a Hy-Vee and I got the last bundle of toilet paper left. I was so excited about it that I posted a selfie with the toilet paper. Because it was such a big deal for me to find that. And this was like this cheap toilet paper that uh, I would never buy under normal circumstances. But uh, desperate times call for desperate measures to get that toilet paper. Folks, please stop hoarding these things. Whether it's toilet paper or sanitizer or any of those things, just cut it out. My gosh. You all, some of you are just awful when it comes to this stuff. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. The CDC is recommending that you only buy supplies that will last you a week. Okay? You could go back. It's not going away. It's still there. And then we have all these folks that are stocking up like it's the end of the world. I need to go ahead and, and unload like I'm, I'm going to be bunkered down for eight weeks like it's the apocalypse. My goodness. Um, kudos to stores like Hy-Vee and some of these others. Aldi, I think, is doing this. That's opening their doors to the elderly first. I know Dollar General is as well. That, uh, for example, Hy-Vee, they're open 8 to 8 right now. They've shortened their hours because they need to stock. Because all you idiots out there are, you know, supplying like the world's going to end tomorrow. Newsflash, it's not. Um, well, Hy-Vee is doing this great thing where... The first hour the store is open from 7 to 8 is exclusively for the elderly and for those that are sick, that are in need, uh, disabled of some sorts. Um, You could be a younger person, but if you're disabled, obviously you still have the needs like an elderly person does. And so they're opening their stores early so folks can take care of that and do those things. And it's great. A great job by Hy-Vee and some of these other stores to allow that because... In these times of need, we need to take care of those that need it the most. Um, This is not the time for selfishness. It's never the time for selfishness, but especially right now. Um, We may be America. We may be the greatest country on earth. But we are at a point where we need each other and need to be thinking of one another more than ever. There's not enough testing kits to go around for the coronavirus right now. Not enough toilet paper. Not enough hand sanitizer. You mentioned food is short of supply. I never thought we would see this day, but here we are. We are here, and it is just shocking. Um, And like I said, we went to Walmart, and all I could do was just laugh. 
all I could do is laugh. And uh, maybe that's a coping mechanism, but uh, I could all I could still do is just laugh. I, it's just mind-boggling that we've got to this point. Um, you know, the first person just died in Tulsa. Um, so that, if that doesn't bring it home for you, I don't know a whole lot that will. Uh, I am glad that they've pretty much closed everything in Tulsa right now. Um, just because, you know, and that's a lot of people coming in, just even in a short time, even bartending. I've met a person from Australia, from England, from Ireland, and from a country I can't recall in South America. And that was in less than a month. Um, and so people, you know, Tulsa is not the biggest city, but it is uh, a melting pot of sorts. Um, and so people coming in from all over, I mean, this is, you know, there's a reason why they closed everything down indefinitely uh, and for good reason. And so, again, you know, you said it's going to get worse before it gets better. I just don't know how worse it's going to get. And that's scary. Right. Um, it, it almost feels like we're going through the tribulation of sorts right now um, with how bad things have gotten and, and where they're headed so far to this point. And the sports world right now, we'll, we'll talk about KU and such here in just a minute, but I'm sitting here trying to find anything to watch. Uh, I'm, I'm glad ESPN2 this weekend is bringing back the Ocho, and uh, we're going to see some, some classic you know, dodgeball and a few other things on, on Sunday. Um, but it has been so boring, and we've had to get creative. I'm watching some classic sporting events. Thankfully, NFL Game Pass is free until the end of May, uh, where I can finally go back and watch the Chiefs Super Bowl victory and some other classic games all the way back to 2009. Um, CBS was showing some old tournament games uh, from years past, some conference tournament games and such, and and uh, and so that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I got to see that triple overtime game between KU and OU that I was at several years ago back in 2016 when uh, they were number one and two in the country, and Buddy Heald went off for 46 points, and KU pulled that out. So that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, Fox has been airing some old NASCAR races and stuff like that. I know that you know, guys like Brian Nolan and such get pretty excited about that. But, uh, Tom, I, I like the classic sports on. You know, that's fine, um, but that's not going to get me by. Uh, i, I got to get the video games going. I, I pulled out the old original Xbox and, uh, and played some NBA Street and stuff like that. What are you doing to cope with no sports right now? You know, I've been through about two seasons on NCAA – and I've doubled the amount of championships that Oklahoma State has in football in about three days. Um, so, you know, I'm doing my part here at Bartlesville. That's nice. Uh, you, you doubled the championship total, and uh, that didn't take you very long to do uh, to help out Oklahoma State. Maybe there'll be a, uh, a banner of some sorts. Um, I know that uh, I mentioned NASCAR. Uh, this is a good time for if anybody, it's the eSports world and uh, iRacing, which is a big deal uh, to some, uh, they're getting these active NASCAR drivers to actually do these iRaces. And I think they're talking about broadcasting one of them on TV this week on Fox or FS1. And uh, Dale Jr. and William Byron, Alex Bowman, some of these guys. Tom, I can't quite get into 
the esports or you know the i racing anything like that but uh i might have to give it a shot if it were ever a time this might be it right yeah it, it might be coming down to it as you said earlier desperate times equal desperate you know is desperate measures and i, I think we're getting to that point yeah, I think so. Uh, we might have to figure something out there to watch some of these these games and, and such uh, going forward. Tom, uh, is there a, a classic game of some sorts, uh, some sporting event that you'll want to go back and watch a second time or maybe you missed the, the first time that, uh, that you're going to try to watch during this stretch? Oh, probably 2011 Bedlam. Uh, maybe the 2014 Spurs or 2014 Spurs finals run. Uh, 1999 Rams versus Titans. Uh, <laughs> what else can I think of? Um, I can't believe you wouldn't say the Fiesta Bowl in 2011 yeah. over Bedlam. Yeah. That was a much better game, beating Andrew Locke and company. Well, yeah, but it was more satisfying to beat OU in that way. Um, other than that, though, um, it's just like, well, you know, oh, even though they lost to Iowa State in 2011, they still should have been playing for the national championship. And so it was nice to get that win against Andrew Luck, um, but at the same time, it's just still what could have been. I mean, a BCS victory is bigger than a win over OU, though. I mean, that's true. A, f- a fair point, fair point, but it was still satisfying. And I was there in person, so and I got to rush the field. So it's like, uh, would you want to go watch KU in the Orange Bowl in 2007, or would you want to go back to being on the field for KU beating Texas? Oh, I would watch that Orange Bowl again. I- actually, I'd probably watch both, but there given the go. choice of what to watch first, I'd probably watch that Orange Bowl first, but... Uh, definitely some big moments uh, there. I got an idea, Tom. Here's what I want to see. If they're bringing back these classic games and everything, I think NBC should bring back the NBA on NBC and you know put, put together a couple different weekends of some sorts and let this generation experience Michael Jordan in his prime and the Laker dynasty, the early days of Shaq and Kobe, you know, that type of ordeal. Uh, I think there was a Spurs championship in the uh, in that NBA on NBC stretch. But this generation that didn't get to experience Michael Jordan in his prime, I know this week was the anniversary of when he said, I'm back, or those Kobe Shaq days and everything. I would be so hyped to see that make a return to uh, the TV and uh, for folks to see uh, those days, the glory days that was uh, – those uh those years i i think that was the the peak of the nba uh was was those years from from mj and his prime to to kobe and Shaq. right that and uh you know they should uh you know in two weeks or less the masters would be starting but no we can't get that either so i'm gonna have to go back and watch that incredible tiger woods run last year for the green jacket oh yeah i mean i I believe they re-aired that right away because the Masters started early that final round. I watched that twice in a day last year. I would be glad to watch Tiger's final round again. Um, Now, I'll I'll say this. If they bring back the NBA on NBC, uh, 
it would also be a great lesson for the kids at home to learn about Marv Albert and why he had to take some time off and have Bob Costas replace him for a time being. Right, yeah, there you go. That would be <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> oh gosh, that's too good. Um, with that being said, the season is over for Kansas basketball. They finish up the year twenty-eight and three. The AP and coaches poll both released their final polls of this year. Had Kansas number one. Uh, the of course Big Twelve crown went to them outright. Um, they would have been the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, whether the Big 12 tournament was played or not. Um, even if they would have lost that first round game to it would have been a matchup with Oklahoma State, uh, KU still would have been the number one overall seed. A great season for Kansas. Uh, we saw Yudoka Azabuki and Devon Dotson each get named first team All-Americans by ESPN. Uh, Marcus Garrett was named Defensive Player of the Year by ESPN as well. Great season for Kansas. Bill Self says they're still trying to figure out how to honor this team. He said he wouldn't be opposed to uh, them being given the national title uh, with them having a better regular season than anybody else. All those things are are right. KU had a better season than anybody in all of college basketball. you know, by every metric, they were the best team in the country for what we have to prove out. For the way the season finished, everything says Kansas was the best team. And the way I look at this, Tom, um, trying to figure out how to uh, crown this season, some folks say that you don't have an national champion, that you just leave it blank because it was an incomplete season. Here's the deal. I think you look at it this way. The way the circumstance played out, you have to uh, look at it the way that this finished. The unforeseen circumstances. No one asked for this season to end this way. And by the way, all these sports that are canceled, just to be clear, it was the right decision. They had no choice in the matter. Uh, You had to do what was in the best interest of the public's safety and for those out there. Uh, The NCAA tournament, March Madness being canceled, was the right call. I hate to say it, but it was. Um, With that being said, these guys, every single year, what do you play for? You play to win a championship. Uh, Sorry, Herm Edwards, I didn't quite say to play to win the game. But you're trying to win the ultimate prize, trying to win a national title. And so I think you still have to name a champion. We had a complete regular season. Uh, You know, you look at college football for years, the national champion was determined based on polling. And with everything indicating that there's a clear number one team, that there is a clear team that dominated the season, I would give the national championship to KU. And I think the NCAA should recognize Kansas as the national champion. Um, The coaches poll, they have their own national champion as well. Tom, what, what say you? Should Kansas raise a sixth banner in Allen Feldhouse uh, as the national champion? Should the NCAA declare them as such? I mean, they sure. I mean, they can for sure. I mean, if they want to do that, then so be it. But there, there is something to be said about why March Madness is called March Madness. And because we do see so many upsets and you have to bring it for so many games and you can't slip or falter. And don't get me wrong, I think KU would have had a great shot to just win in this outright overall, but we will never know for sure. 
I mean, if we're hell-bent on crowning one, then sure, Kansas. But, uh, I mean, it just wouldn't – I mean, it's almost like there's an asterisk by it if they do. And it's, you know, not their fault by any means, but it still wouldn't feel as good as cutting down the nets, uh, you know, after winning um, big and – you know, in the Final Four in the National Championship. Right. I think that there needs to be a banner up in some way. Um, I think that they should call themselves national champions, and the NCAA or the Coaches Association should recognize them as such. But at the very least, here's what I would do, Tom. Maybe this is my my compromise of sorts. Um, I think that there should be at least a banner up that says 2019 through 20 undisputed number one team in college basketball, uh, consensus number one. Make a point to display forever to the end of time that this team, who Bill Self said that he was as proud of as any team he's ever coached, uh, that they were as good as any team he's ever had, that this team finished the season number one, that's an accomplishment in itself that should be recognized uh, for the end of time. We'll never know how this team would have done in the NCAA tournament because it didn't happen. But there has to be something done to recognize this team. Maybe just a banner to put up there that they were the number one team when it was all said and done. Right. So I agree with that. Definitely they can, you know, definitely do that. I wouldn't mind seeing that for KU. Uh, because, you know, for those, you know, the seniors, it, it feels, man, the, the feels, dude, it's bad. Um, so I mean, they deserve definitely something. But I mean, do you get a do you get do they get the national championship trophy as well? That's what I'm saying. I think they should, but um, at the very least, I do think they should be recognized for being number one in those polls and and for a great season. To think this team finished the way that they did too. Um, they lost to Baylor back in January, and from there on out. Uh, to win the rest of the way, not lose another single game after that, um, was just impressive. And, and to think, too, that Baylor was just on a roll, not losing a conference game till they lost to Kansas and Waco, um, that was a de facto Big 12 championship game when those two teams met there in Waco. And it looked like, you know, hey, if you're going to beat Baylor and win the Big 12 Conference, you're going to have to be a historically good team. Baylor had set the record uh, in, in their program's history for most wins in a row, most conference wins in a row. Uh, they were, we were talking at one point in time, Tom, it wasn't too long ago that we were talking about this Baylor team possibly going 18 and 0 in league play. They weren't far off from it. And then they lose three out of their last four, including that first game to Kansas there in that stretch. Um, the Jayhawks took it to another level. I mean, this team led by their defense. Bill Self preaches so much defense. Um, you know, if you're a scorer, but you can't play D, you're not going to get minutes. That's simply what it comes down to. It. Defense is a priority for Bill Self. And the way that this team played defense this year, uh, one of the best defensive teams Bill's ever had, but still to be as good as they were offensively. You know, they played four guards and really found rhythm in that. And then Yudoka Azubuki was just so dominant down the stretch, winning Big 12 Player of the Year. And the way that they were able to work him in that offense, the fact that Doak was still able to dominate down low, 
but run with the guards to still set up the offense, to not be lagging behind and play good on the defensive end as well. It was just a match made in heaven. Uh, The way that this worked out for this Kansas team, the fact that they got that much better uh, as the season progressed, what a story for this team uh, to be who they are. They won't get the recognition they deserve, um, even if they were to be crowned national champions uh, of some sorts. They're not going to have that moment at the Final Four in Atlanta, cutting down the nets, as you mentioned, uh, but still something that uh, this team uh, had some historic achievements, something that uh, really was just a fantastic season for this Kansas basketball squad. Yeah, it definitely was, and it sucks that it won't get played out. And that goes to, I mean, that goes for not only KU and their run uh, for that potential national championship, but it also goes for, uh, you know, other spring and winter sports, you know, like baseball, softball getting canceled, you know, hell, OSU was to open up their new uh, baseball stadium. That's going to get postponed. Uh, no Omaha, you know, it's just – it's terrible, and, you know, these kids work hard all year to get to this point just for it to be done. Right. It, it sucks. And uh, what we're It has he- to be done, though. It has to be done. Yeah, exactly. Uh, spring sports, those kids will get another year of eligibility uh, that missed out on this year. So that's very good news. The NCAA would work that out that way. So basically everybody, red shirts, um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen for winter sports. Uh, those guys like Doak, who have been waiting you know, for a chance in a national title for four years, are, are not going to get that run through March. Uh, you know, Doak, for example, he's been so injured and in and out, he ends his career only getting to play in the NCAA tournament one time. I hate it for guys like that that get robbed of that chance to do so, don't get that uh, extra year. And you might have a case where maybe a guy like Doak has said, you know what, I put in my four years, I've graduated, I'm ready to go ahead and move on to the NBA. Maybe they wouldn't come back. But to not have that door open for them to come back if they so choose, that's disappointing that it looks like the NCAA is going to go that route. But, Tom, knowing how this NCAA organization operates, it's not surprising. Yeah, it is surprising. I mean... A lot of these kids, you know, that's the last game and that they'll ever play. Um, and it's just like, oof. And I don't know what you do after that. Um, uh, I mean, to not even be prepared or to know. You know, some of them knew it was going to be their last game, uh, you know, if they lost in their conference tournaments and different things like that. But at the same time, you have all these players that have put in so much work and, you know, they're thinking, well, hey, we got, you know, the big dance coming up and, uh, you know, then every game could be your last. But to not even get to that point, is, that sucks. It does. And, uh, and spring sports. Now, we say it was the right move for the NCAA tournament to be canceled and such. I thought initially it was a little premature to be canceling the College World Series and the Women's College World Series and stuff like that. But as we move farther along here, it's looking like that makes more sense, that that's unlikely to happen. But, Tom, I think there's going to come a stretch here um, where sports do come back probably sometime this summer and going to be played in the first stretch without crowds. 
and we were very close to seeing that just a week ago. The Big 12 tournament, which would have started uh, the quarterfinal round today, was going to be played without crowds. Uh, we did see briefly the Big 10 tournament go on, or uh, actually the Big East tournament, rather, go on without crowds, but then that was canceled in the middle of it and such. Um, this is going to be an adjustment period for folks when sports do come back, and that'll be a great day. I'm sure folks will be just glad that sports will be back, but to not be able to be there initially is going to be different for the fans uh, to be watching at home completely, but for the players in the stadiums, it's going to feel like practice or a scrimmage of some sorts initially when do when sports do return without that atmosphere. Right, yeah, it's going to be... There's going to be there. There are things that this is affecting now that it's going to take months and years and different precautionary methods that we had never used before are going to be used. Uh, I wouldn't compare it necessarily. I mean, if you look at pre-airport security, pre-9/11, and then look at airport airport security now, there are things that we do in the airports now that are direct result of 9/11. I don't know if this is going to be on that level, but there, I think in the future they're going to be, uh, even depending on how bad this gets, if it's just not already bad enough, there are going to be things, precautionary methods and, and procedures that are will take place everywhere now because of this. I mean, this is something that just changes everything. I don't think we're going to be shaking hands with people as much, even when the coast clears of some sorts. I don't think that we're going to be shaking hands and hugging people nearly as much. Uh, I think everybody's going to wash their hands a lot more and use sanitizer, and those are good things. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, that people won't be hugging and shaking hands with each other as much. Um, but, you know, the ramifications of not having sports and jobs and all that, that has you know a long-term impact, and that's going to hurt uh, as far as that goes. I would guess, Tom... If you were to ask what's likely to come back first, I think it would be something to the effect of the type of sporting events that can go on pretty normal without fans, like golf tennis. and NASCAR, you know, racing, tennis and such, where you can keep distance from your opponent, for one. Um, you don't have to be right next to them. You're not making body-on-body -body contact. And um, you have to be, you know, the fans are quiet or they don't make much noise anyway. I would guess those type of sports like tennis and racing and golf would be the first ones that make their returns uh, without fans, um, you know, because there would be the least need of fans per se compared to some of the other sports. Right, yeah, I mean, definitely those, uh, you know, it doesn't seem too weird i mean nascar obviously has a lot of fans um but it doesn't seem too weird to say that you can still race you're in a different car um i mean tennis obviously golf um all those you'd mentioned you kind of keep distance from your opponent you're not you know body on body contact anything like that um so those are probably the first one i mean I, when's the last time they ever canceled the masters is that going to be able to get replayed or they're hoping to have it in uh later on this year uh the kentucky derby has been moved to september um i mean this 
what is normally a dead part of the sports year in July and August and such, if everything is back, it is going to be loaded between then and all the way to the end of December um, as things will be different. Uh, spring football is definitely not going to happen. Uh, you would hope to maybe get some two-a-day practices in um, you know, on the college football front, but that's going to be about it. OTAs and, and you know stuff like that in the NFL side, those things are done. Uh, maybe we even start out the football season uh, without fans in the crowd, and that would be drastically different. The NBA season, we get this report, Tom, that you know originally with Rudy Gobert, if he doesn't get coronavirus, he and Donovan Mitchell, I think that the games probably go ahead and go on, but then uh, eventually does get shut down because enough people would have gotten it by then. But with those guys initially getting it, with the Brooklyn Nets players, including Kevin Durant and some of those others, um, it is going to be hard to imagine the NBA getting their season completed with the remaining regular season schedule and then trying to get in the playoffs and all that. Um, I don't see all of that being completed. If the NBA is to come back, and that's still in doubt whether the NBA even finishes the season, but if they do, uh, this looks like it would be a very short uh, postseason that they would try to get in here. It's going to be hard to imagine the NBA and, and the NHL both being able to get things done at this point. Yeah, at this point, I don't know how that's going to be possible. Uh, I mean, there's just not enough time. And then those playoff teams, even if you, okay, finish the regular season, or even if you take the season for what it is right now and start the playoffs, that, I mean, safely, even without fans, um, you know, and and who knows how long it's going to take Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert to fully recover, or who else else has it that we don't know about. Uh, I mean, you're telling me those playoff teams are going to play until what could end up being first of August, middle of August, and then turn around and have a month and a half off before you start again? Uh, I mean, unless they just changed the start of the season, I've heard reports of them talking about doing Christmas Day as the official start date for the NBA season, have opening day on christmas day which would be definitely interesting um and then take it from there i mean there's a lot of stuff that this could change and i just don't know if they're gonna have enough time to pull that off right um i don't know either it's uh, gonna be really tough to see all this coming together um you know at this point in time and, and then like you know if you have these sports that have guaranteed dates like uh whether it's nascar or pga do you try to event try to uh, put multiple events within a week? Like, are we talking about NASCAR races going on during the week? On you know having a Monday night race or a Wednesday night race, or is golf going to try to do two different golf events in a week? Do like Monday, Thursday, and then and then Friday, Sunday, or something like that? I mean, it is going to be crammed. It's going to be a challenge to make all this work. Um, at this point in time. And, you know, I, I do think the other thing that nobody's really talking about right now, Tom, is there there's going to be long-term consequences as far as 
crowds coming back to sporting events. Um, initially, this will come back without crowds being there. And then when things do start to open up again, I think there's going to be a hesitation of, is it okay for me to go back out there? Uh, there's also going to be maybe a comfort level of folks saying, you know what, I just enjoy watching sports on my couch now. Uh, I enjoy the idea of using my own bathroom and eating my own food, and I've gotten so comfortable with it, I don't need to go out to that sporting event. Is it really safe for me to be out there? Um, I think that this is going to have a long-term impact on all of sports when it comes to attendance. Oh, you know it will, and maybe that'll make tickets cheaper for me to just go right back out there. (laughs) Maybe that. Maybe that's uh, maybe I'll be able to finally get courtside seats that don't cost as much as my car payment, uh, or double that. Um, that being said, yeah, there's going to be people that are not going back to sporting events or any event, whether that be a concert, sporting event, beer tasting, any big social gathering of sorts. You know, that's kind of what it's coming down to. Music right. festivals. I mean, this is going to. This is, you know, it might not last forever, but it's going to have a, almost a forever type impact or it's going to a year, like a long term, very, very long term impact on just social events and social gatherings and entertainment industry. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL. Their offseason still going on right now. They've limited the interaction and the travel of coaches and scouts, but the NFL offseason is still fully underway. The draft is going to continue. No crowds will be in in attendance in Las Vegas, uh, but it will still go forth. We're going to talk about all that and more, including Tom Brady with Omar Ruiz as he joins us coming up on the other side. Then later on in the show, we'll uh, continue with the offseason discussion. Also going to get your Tom Fullery story of the day as well. As we're rolling along, it's the Jones Report. Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network joins us next. Joining us now from the NFL Network, it is Omar Ruiz who is here to talk all things NFL as the offseason is fully underway. And Omar, appreciate the time as always. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Although these teams necessarily can't meet in person and, and the schedule's been adjusted of sorts, uh, it certainly has not been quiet by any means how we've seen these uh, last few days play out under these different circumstances. Yeah, certainly, Tyler. I want to say, first of all, thanks for having me and thanks for continuing to do your show. Um, I think I speak for most of us, you know, especially fans of sports, fans of football, that, you know, yes, we're keeping one eye on, on the world around us and, and the changing news events that seemingly unfold hour by hour, but, you know, keeping one eye on, on football and this free agency uh, has been a pleasant distraction, so I appreciate you, um, you know, continuing to do your job, mine as well, and hope to provide a little bit of reassurance that eventually we'll get back to our normal lives and, and you know, the, the positivity that we can share right now will hopefully give, you know, a little more a little more light to, you know, eventually what down the road will be normal circumstances once again so thanks uh, for having me on Tom. absolutely uh anytime we're, we're always uh it's always a pleasure to uh, chat with you omar and the big news of course of free agency has been the move of tom brady leaving uh, the new england patriots after 20 years and six super bowl titles to join the tampa bay buccaneers first off 
What was your initial reaction when you heard the news that Brady was going to be leaving New England to uh, go to Tampa Bay? Well, shock. I mean, as much as the tea leaves suggested that he was leaving, and we didn't know it was going to be Tampa or or Chargers or even earlier this week, Tennessee might have been a spot. We heard rumblings earlier this offseason about San Francisco. As much talk as there was and and all the well-documented events of the fall with Tom Brady putting his house up for sale, re-enrolling his kids in schools outside of New England, and all those other hints we received until... And, and even still, you know, to this point where, you know, until he, we see him in that Buccaneers uniform, it's still hard to believe. So that was my initial thought was just the shock of seeing him go to Tampa Bay and pair up with Bruce Arians and leave New, New England. You know, this whole time I, I figured he was trying to play Bill Belichick for leverage, maybe trying to get, you know, Bill uh, in his own game, you know, uh, essentially, um, you know, trying to figure out what the market had for him and go, and go back to Bill and say, hey, can you match this? And whether that was the case or not, um, the fact that they are getting divorced just seems uh, as shocking as any divorce in, in NFL history. Oh, I, I can't believe it. Uh, you know, I'm no Patriots fan by any means, but it's hard to even accept to think that this is actually happening before our eyes here. From what you know, and I know this is still even early on in the process, do you think that it was more so Brady leaving New England or... New England saying we don't have a spot open for you. Who was uh, more, you know, involved in this situation that that caused this breakup to happen? Well, this was definitely Brady's call. Ultimately, um, I think last year's contract negotiations, if you remember, they restructured his contract, and it ended up being a three-year deal with an out clause after one year. So essentially, we all knew that he was going to be a free agent going into this off season. And the salary cap gymnastics that they had to work last year to avoid those two years were, were just that. So Tom Brady put himself in position to be able to walk away. And like I said, you know, in that fall, with him putting his house up for sale and, and moving the kids' schools and everything like that, he was, I think, at that point, emotionally preparing himself to leave. And, and the fact that, um, you know, he didn't get that metaphorical hug from Bill Belichick to say, hey, you know, we can't let you go. We need you to stay here and 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 get any warmth in that regard. Um, and that, that never came. And so Tom Brady, I think, you know, at that point was prepared to leave and, and in fact did leave. And so I think ultimately it was Tom Brady's call to walk away. Now, had he agreed to come back at maybe a very low pay scale or something that Bill Belichick might have wanted, you know, sure. And that's something that, you know, I think the history books can tell us. But for for what unfolded in March of 2020, it was Tom Brady's decision to to leave that franchise. The uh, Buccaneers have not been to the postseason in 14 years. Uh, why Tampa Bay? Why do you think he made the move to join this team that has not had a whole lot of success as of late? Well, I think you know you look at Bruce Arians and not only what he does schematically in the pass game, uh, those weapons that they have in Tampa. You know, we, we saw how Godsey has, has emerged, uh, or Godwin, uh, excuse me, and uh, Mike Evans, obviously, uh, Byron Lefwich, up-and-coming offensive coordinator, um, you know, uh, has been fantastic early on. So you look at all that, but I think more importantly, you remember there was an interview with, with 
um, Bruce Arians that made the rounds last year where he said if any of his assistant coaches misses something from his kid's school, misses a game, he'll have them fired. You know, in other words, work is not an excuse to miss your kid's events. And I think that probably really hit home with Tom Brady, who at this point in his career, his kids are getting older, they're in school, they're doing activities. And so for him to be a two, two and a half hour flight away from New York where they're going to be and be able to attend all that and have the support of the organization to do that, um, I think was really important to him. So as much as the you know exciting weapons there are uh, in Tampa and the hope to turn that franchise around and, and to be the responsible one for that, I think just being close to family and, and having that so important to Tom Brady at this point in his career was vital for him there. Yeah, that, that seemed like a, a big deal uh, to him to get those things uh, there in Tampa. How much control do you think he's going to have there? We heard the rumors that uh, he wanted – you know, some say-so in regards to the roster and the playbook and those things. Bruce Arians, a proven head coach, he's been a winner everywhere he's been. Uh, how much do you think he's going to work with Tom to give him the needs of the stuff, you know, to do things the way Tom wants? I mean, their offensive systems are completely different. Tom, uh, you know, loves the short passing games, had so much success. Bruce Arians loves to move the football down the field on, on big plays. How does this all mesh together? Well, I think, yeah, they'll take Tom's thoughts in consideration. We've already heard that, you know, a big part of, you know, Tom's pitch was maybe having Antonio Brown in the mix. And, and we know that uh, Bruce Arians has worked with Antonio Brown before uh, in Pittsburgh and kind of, you know, feels like, you know, he would have a good, you know, uh, way to handle Antonio Brown and, and whatever Tom Brady would ask, you know, if they were to bring Antonio Brown in. But I think first and foremost, you got to get a, a good offensive line because, you know, there's there's so much talk in the NFL nowadays about a mobile quarterback, and obviously that's not what Tom Brady brings. But remember, Bruce Arians, his system was built, you know, with a young Peyton Manning uh, way back in the day. And we know, you know, Peyton Manning for much of his career was, was statuesque. So uh, if Peyton Manning could work in the Bruce Arians system, I think Peyton Manning can. I mean, Tom Brady can. you got to get that offensive line shored up for Tampa. Otherwise, the whole thing falls apart, as we've seen from many. Uh, veteran QBs over the years, specifically Philip Rivers last year uh, with the Chargers. So you know, get you get the offensive line short up. We already see the weapons that they have, and I think they could they can make it work. But uh, you know, it's got to be a, a team effort. I don't think Tom Brady can can carry a team anymore. You're going to have to put the pieces around him. You're going to have a solid defense, get a good run game going, and certainly Tom Brady can still win you a Super Bowl or two. But you know, he's not going to carry the team to that Lombardi Trophy. The uh, Saints have owned that division as of late, um, but. With the weapons that Brady has there in Tampa, it, it seems like that they're going to be a contender. They could win this division. I know that Atlanta's there. Uh, they were down the last couple of years. Carolina is in a rebuilding stage with Matt Rule taking over. Um, I mean, this circumstance, the NFC South, uh, I know that it seems like a big deal to be facing New Orleans twice a year, but realistically, it seems like this team could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Saints right now. At this point, you would have to believe that Tom Brady certainly tips the scales in Tampa's favor. Now, I would still go with New Orleans, given as good a year as as Drew Brees had last year with Michael Thomas. Alvin Kamara maybe had a little bit of a down year last year. We'll see if he can bounce back or or maybe if the wear is too much on those tires. Uh, you know, that will be a huge factor to their 2020 success. But at this point, you still got to go with, with New Orleans and, you know, having that defense led by Cameron Jordan. We don't know exactly what what the Buccaneers defense is going to give them outside of Shaq Barrett and maybe a, a resurgent JPP 
So, you know, that factor, I think, plays in, given that Dennis Allen's defense in New Orleans is, is kind of already in place and, and has seemingly, you know, built a pretty good young core there. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that the Tampa can't make a few more moves until we get to week one here um, and, and certainly try to contend with, with New Orleans. I think it would be interesting, Tyler, is, is Tom Brady and Drew Brees are about six touchdowns apart for the all-time touchdown leader, and we could get to a point next year where that, that changes in the same game a couple times when they when they face each other and how historic that would be um, to see that unfold uh, in the 2020 season. So certainly the NFC South, we had, I think, three Super Bowl experienced quarterbacks in there for the past several years, and we, in fact, have that once again with Tom Brady essentially replacing Cam Newton in that regard. Right, right. That's a great point. Omar Ruiz joining us. Uh, right now, as we're talking NFL offseason, uh, the changes that have occurred. Uh, so New England, where do they go from here now? Uh, I mean, all I can picture in my mind, uh, you know, almost, you know, I've been on this earth now 23 years, and 20 of them, Tom Brady was the starting quarterback there in New England. So what do they do from here? Do they have a plan in place, uh, or what's the direction you think they're going to go at the quarterback position uh, with this with that group? Well, seemingly Bill Belichick has been five steps ahead of the league, you know, since he's been in it. Now, a big part of that has been because he has Tom Brady, a quarterback, and never has had to worry about that position. He can focus his full efforts on developing the rest of the roster, and I think he'll continue to do that, emphasize the rest of the roster and and make it work at the quarterback position. I think they'll do so confidently, uh, given that Matt Castle, you know, won a bunch of games for them in 2008 when Tom Brady was hurt for the season week one. Uh, Castle came in, I think led them to 10, 11 games. In fact, they tied for first in the division, just lost out of the playoffs on tiebreakers. So, um, you know, they have the experience going into a season essentially without Tom Brady. And that was, that was not necessarily even, you know, with a training camp or OTAs or anything else that Matt Castle had experience for Brady was hurt week one. And then they had to adjust on the fly. and were still able to win a bunch of games. Now that team obviously had won 18 the year before. So it was a pretty stacked roster. And I think Bill Belichick will go into this season stacking that roster, making it worth with the quarterback, whether it's Jarrett Stidham, whether it's maybe a low cost veteran, like maybe an Andy Dalton of the world and, and, and basically have a game manager game manager for what Belichick hopes is a very talented roster. Once again, Hmm. we will uh, see what happens as they say, maybe Jacoby Bursett makes a return to new England or, Something of those sorts. Uh, you know, we'll see uh, what goes on there. Uh, the other big move of this uh, offseason, not a free agent move, but a trade. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the star receiver for the Texans, he's headed to Arizona to join Kyler Murray, who came off a really good rookie season. Uh, what exactly went on there? Why move Hopkins if you're the Texans? It seemed like. Uh, there was some relationship problems there between uh, Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins based on uh, those comments we heard from Michael Irving uh, just earlier today. Yeah, it seemed like uh, that rift was a lot bigger than than any of us figured it would be. You know, we had heard rumblings that Bill, Bill O'Brien, and, and this is something we've heard for years now, Tyler, whether it's been working with the two previous general managers he's had there in Houston, whether it's been working with some of the players on the staff or in, in other personnel departments, he's not the easiest guy to get along with. Um, and some of his coaches w- would tell you that. And, and perhaps, obviously, 
you know, he had same sort of personality conflicts with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, Hopkins has been so productive, one of the greatest receivers of his generation that, you know, you're able to make that work. But I'm not so sure that at this point, training a guy like that, who's been such a leader for that team, for that organization, for that locker room, you know, might not, uh, you know, endear Bill O'Brien to that locker room uh, any more than he has previously. So you look at it from a critical standpoint, you know, what are they doing? They didn't get much value in return. But at the same time, Jadevian Clowney was ultra popular in that locker room last year, and he traded him away and got crucified for it. But then he turned around and he got Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills from Miami, and they still put together a team that that won the division and 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 were up twenty four nothing on the eventual world champs and were a collapse away from getting to the AFC Championship game. So that said, it's still early on. Uh, before we get to that kickoff for week one, they can still, you know, put together a pretty good roster together, but it, it's hard to figure now how they improve that, that team by getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, that just makes no sense. Meanwhile, Arizona gets a stud to pair alongside Larry Fitzgerald, and we mentioned how well Kyler Murray played last year. Uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody's expecting Arizona to be a playoff team yet, but it does appear like that group is uh, headed in the right direction at this point with uh, some of their pieces they've put together. Well, I remember speaking to Cliff Kingsbury at the Combine here a couple weeks ago and just you know mentioning that there was a lot of buzz for Arizona heading into this season. It's, it's sort of a destination spot that a lot of players want to go to, and they might be able to you know, be a team that does well in the offseason just because of you know, uh, several big-name players having a desire to go there. And we, we saw DeAndre Hopkins more than happy to make that move. And, and then Cliff, Cliff responded by, by saying, yeah, you know, the low taxes and the good sunshine probably doesn't help. But obviously, people are buzzing because of what Kyler Murray has brought to that organization and the hope for the future coming off his offensive rookie of the year season. Larry Fitzgerald coming back for another year, I think, only speaks more volumes to the future that he sees with Murray there and wanting to be a part of it. And then now you throw DeAndre Hopkins in the mix. I think that'll only enhance what a guy like Christian Kirk can do. Obviously was a you know high-round draft choice a couple years ago and it has shown flashes. But now you have defenses worried about Fitz and DeAndre Hopkins. A guy like Christian Kirk can thrive. And we saw what Ken, Kenyon Drake was able to do there in just a short time. Now he'll have a full offseason uh, under his belt, you know, assuming things work out contractually there. For him, so now you're looking at this, you know, air raid full takeover in 2020 offensively, uh, so to speak. They just shore up their defense, and I think they'll be very much a contender. And you look at the NFC West now, Tyler. You have the past two representatives of the NFC in the Super Bowl, and then you throw in a Seahawks team that's made the playoffs seven of the last eight years. And you know they're going to be a factor with Russell Wilson, like they are every year. And now Arizona emerges. That's going to be one treacherous division week in and week out in this upcoming season. Oh, no question. No question about that. That's going to be a lot of fun. That NFC West uh, going to be fighting just to get the wins to go around between uh, some good teams there. Staying out West, the uh, Raiders, first year in Las Vegas. Uh, they bring in Jason Witten after so many years in Dallas. Uh, I mean, that'll be different to see. What are their plans uh, going forward? Trying to find uh, – are, are they trying to find another quarterback or are they going to stick with Derek Carr for this uh, first year in Vegas? Well, I think ironically by bringing in Marcus Mariota, Marcus Mariota could be to Derek Carr what Ryan Tannehill was 
to Marcus Mariota. In other words, they'll give Derek Carr another opportunity to be the franchise quarterback and, and throw the first pass in Las Vegas. But if he doesn't get the job done, then they have another guy who they believe in with a lot of talent like like Mariota and maybe just a change of scenery can get them going in the right direction. Now, obviously, Mariota, I think, got to play with a little more aggressiveness and, and you know thrust his personality on that team if he were to emerge as a starting quarterback the way John Gruden likes his quarterbacks to be. But I think that I think we'll see the best of Derek Carr. If not, it's because a very uh, resurgent Marcus Mariota has beat him out. But either way, I think it's a good move for the Raiders, and especially building all the rest of the roster with guys like you mentioned, Jason Witten, and the good veteran leadership foundation after a couple years of rebuilding. Um, I think they've turned it around there. I think their success will be dictated on that quarterback position. Yeah, and, and we know Gruden loves the veterans. Uh, that's been something that he has put an emphasis on since he's uh, taken over there. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Indianapolis brings in Phillip Rivers, and it seems like that there's been a good connection so far between those two that uh, Phillip really has liked the idea of playing in Indianapolis for a while, uh, and they paid him pretty well. Uh, also, it seems like the move is kind of a win-now type of move for Indy, that they realize the talent that they have and, uh, I mean, that they need to take advantage of you know good quarterback play at this point in time. For Phillip, it's, it's got to be cut back on those interceptions. He does that, and this Chargers team uh, could be a, a, a real playoff threat. Yeah, I think, I think for a large part last year, I think Phillip Rivers not, maybe not necessarily lost confidence in himself, but maybe lost confidence in, in the team's direction. I think a lot of those, a lot of those, you know, interceptions. He was just throwing it up, and for up, up for grabs. And, you know, that's not reflective of a, of a quarterback that's playing with much confidence. But I think reuniting with Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, guys he worked with, with the Chargers, you have a young, talented offensive line led by Quentin Nelson. Because at this point in Rivers' career, and really at any point, you need that offensive line to be good in front of him to give him time. To, you know, to pick apart defenses, you know, get some help from the outside. And I think it's it's at the point where the Colts got to look outside and, and try to rebuild that wide receiving core because as great as T.Y. Hilton has been, maybe he hasn't been the m most reliable uh, receiver the last couple years. So, you know, you get somebody out there to, you know, compliment him. And, and T.Y., if he st stays healthy, can still be as effective as ever. That's just been a question. And then Marlon Max emerged. Now you have all the pieces around Phillip Rivers, and that's the kind of situation that he needs to succeed now will will last year's performance and and just some of those careless interceptions go away now um you know that'll be the big question but you know i think you raised the point earlier you know is jacoby Brissett available or do they keep him on to develop because if you remember that first half of the season when he was healthy uh he wasn't bad i think he had built off all that playing time he got in 2017 when andrew luck was out but then he got hurt and he was playing, um, you know, w with, you know, w with an injury and he played through it and showed his toughness, but obviously wasn't as effective. So I think the jury is still out and Jacoby Brissett uh, went healthy and, and with that good pieces around him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, with Philip Rivers, you know, at this point seems to be the definitive starting quarterback of the Colts. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. A couple more for you. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater headed to Carolina. Uh, he seemed like he was the the best quarterback in this free agent market. Uh, you know, did a really good job filling in for Drew Brees last year. But you move on from Cam Newton. 
why move on from Cam uh, in that circumstance, uh, considering you know, he's a former MVP, took him to the Super Bowl and everything? Was, uh, was Matt Rule just not interested in Cam? How did that all go down? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Matt Rule's only been there, uh, you know, a few months. And, you know, perhaps, you know, his, his meetings with Cam Newton, you know, uh, didn't go the way that he wanted. Or maybe Cam Newton's health is still very much a question, too much of a question that they wanted to deal with. There, there's a couple of different ways that could have went. But, you know, we've always heard that, you know, that Cam, um, while he's loved by his teammates and, and by the fans, you know, maybe, you know, there are some personality issues there that that, is, that aren't for everyone, and, and maybe that could have been an issue with Matt Rule. But, you know, I think at this point we got to think that health is more of a consideration there that, you know, he couldn't return to that MVP form because, you know, he's proven um, to be one of the most effective uh, passers when you combine what he does on the ground uh, in the NFL when, when he's at his best. But, but I like this move. I think we forget Teddy Bridgewater showed so much promise in Minnesota taking that team to the playoffs early in his career, winning a bunch of games before that devastating knee injury. And now you have his experience under Drew Brees, learning from him, learning from Sean Payton and that offense. And, you know, he's been exposed to, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, high octane type of system that he can go now and reunite with Joe Brady, uh, the, uh, the offensive wonder kind from LSU's offense this past year. We saw what Joey Burrow did with, with those guys and, and winning the national championship. He's now the Panthers offensive coordinator who was with the Saints before that. So I think there's so much promise there for Teddy Bridgewater to finally fulfill his potential. We remember he was – a first-round pick coming out of Louisville was was the very last pick, as a matter of fact, in that round where Minnesota had to come up and and, and sneak into that first round to get him. So uh, I think this is a great situation for him, and it'll be interesting to see where Cam Newton ends up at this point because if he, he is healthy, he could still do a lot of damage. Yeah, he could. He could. Uh, right here in uh, Kansas City, the uh, Chiefs, uh, decided to go ahead and put the uh, franchise tag on Chris Jones. They know uh, we know that they've been working on trying to get a contract extension for a long time. Uh, we heard Chris Jones say that he wanted to be a chief for life and everything, but no deal to this point. It seems like that his future in Kansas City is as uncertain as ever, even with the franchise tag on. Yeah, you know, it seems to be the trend in the NFL nowadays where, you know, franchise tag and can't get a deal, maybe look for a big trade. We saw it happen with, uh, you know, Kansas City and Frank Clark last year and, and uh, you know, a few times in the past. And, and, you know, obviously that's an option for the Chiefs. But I think at this point, the way they've built a Super Bowl champion, I think they're confident they're going to be able to, you know, be a contender for years to come with Patrick Mahomes. So uh, while, you know, they, they, they're not going to be movers and shakers, um, in the off season, you know, like some of these teams trying to climb into contention, you know, they they have the luxury to kind of sit back and wait. They know that they are a destination now in the NFL, a place where free agents and, and guys want to be maybe even at the tail end of their careers, take a team friendly deal um, to try to win a championship. So they don't I don't think feel pressured or rushed to do anything outside of their timetable. And I think that's something we could be seeing even with these Chris jones negotiations as much as they do love him and as much as he seems to love playing in kansas city right and uh, they did lose emmanuel ogba and kendall fuller uh, as they signed elsewhere but both those guys 
were injured last year, and they still won without them. As good of a player uh, both those guys are, it doesn't seem like that the Chiefs will miss them that much, considering how well they played without both those guys. Yeah, I think you know, I think there's there's a lot of times in the NFL, and just noticing you know throughout the league that you know when when um, teams let guys walk like that, you know, contributors maybe banged up. It's a signal that the second or third string guys who maybe we don't hear on a daily basis have actually shown a lot of promise in practice and, and, you know, they'll get their opportunity to replace those guys. They feel that maybe the backups can produce at a high level. You know, the, the late round picks that, you know, for a couple of years are being developed are now ready, you know, so we can, we can think of it in that way. Uh, think of it in, you know, the, the price wasn't right for the chiefs after, you know, seeing them day in and day out, their health status, like you mentioned, so um, you know Veach and, and that staff, you know they've done a heck of a job putting that team together. And I think as long as Andy Reid's there and Patrick Mahomes, they'll be contenders for years to come. Yeah, um, it seems like that their needs that they need to fill, whether it's finding another running back or getting another skill position receiver, offensive line, um, you know, linebacker, of course, and another corner. Those are things that are going to be draft things that they can take care of with younger guys. So th- those don't seem to be um, things that require big money contracts, at least the way that you know their salary is structured, being over the cap and everything right now. Uh, their needs uh, should be filled over there. Uh, it seems to be the approach that this team's going to go with, more focus on that draft and less about the, the free agent options. And they're going to have to be that way, Tyler, for I think probably several years, knowing that Patrick Mahomes is going to get a huge contract, probably record-setting, highest-paid player of all time, and deservedly so. But obviously that's going to you know take a huge percentage of that salary cap, and you're going to have to consistently – rebuild the rest of the roster through the draft and those cheaper contracts. So, yeah, that, that, that the Chiefs already setting themselves up to pay Patrick Mahomes here in the next couple of years are probably shifting that focus that way. And you, you mentioned it, you know, rebuilding those holes they have on the roster through the draft and, and the days of maybe bringing in a free agent, you know, big money deal like Sammy Watkins uh, had a couple of years ago might be um, something they're shifting away from. Right, right, exactly. Uh, as you and I are talking, we, like many Americans, are working from home uh, for for this conversation. Uh, what's this offseason been like these last couple of days for NFL teams as uh, you know, coaches aren't traveling and some teams' facilities are locked out, players uh, aren't you know in the places they typically are and such right now? How are these teams and, and uh, coaches and managers adjusting uh, to this different off-season compared to uh, most years? Well, I think the big question as far as this free agency and the new teams are the medical checks. You know, how are they getting, you know, medical checks done to, to finalize these contracts? Because remember, you know, they negotiate during this early negotiating window and then the actual league year opens on Wednesday, but they can't be finalized until they get the medical clearance from their teams. Now, the, now the NFL has authorized players to go to their local you know, wherever their local team is, you know, if a guy lives in, say, South Florida and he signs with Kansas City, he can go to the Dolphins, you know, team doctor and get the, the check. But, you know, how trustworthy will other teams be of other, of you know, competitors, uh, medical staff? So that's an issue that has to be dealt with. And, and how long we have to wait before these contracts are finalized, you know, will be a, a big story of the offseason. Obviously, 
you know, off-season conditioning and OTAs and everything else that was scheduled to start next month uh, has been put off. Now, the draft is still going to go through, but is it going to be a virtual draft? In other words, we've seen the draft become a huge event. 600,000 people attended in Nashville. We've seen big numbers in Chicago and Philadelphia and Dallas the last few years. But essentially, the draft has become a TV show. So, you know, will we see, you know, Rich Eisen and Roger Goodell there on a big stage? And then you have, you know, a huge monitor behind him, like the old Hollywood squares with all the general managers and personnel people up on a monitor. And then, you know, they, they wheel and deal from there. Who knows? They'll still do the draft in late April. Uh, they'll, they'll figure out a way to make it entertaining uh, for the audience and, and, and go from there and, and try to make the NFL business as seamless as possible. But it should be interesting to see just how that ends up happening, given all the theatrics that were involved in the Las Vegas production, something that, again, they can do next year. Yeah, totally different. And uh, hopefully we still get these games in on time and such and move forward from there, but that remains to be seen. Uh, speaking of uh, the games and such, the uh, new CBA, of course, was agreed upon uh, last weekend. Uh, what was kind of your takeaways? Uh, it seems like we have some big changes on the way, in particular with the expanded playoff and expanded regular season. Well, I think, yeah, the, the big takeaways, obviously, are the, uh, you know, the playoff structure, you know, having seven teams now and only one team with a bye starting this year. And then the 17-game schedule, you know, starting either, you know, next season or the season after that, how they're going to work that out, that's a big question. But I think, you know, sort of my big takeaway was, you know, you've, you saw passionate uh, arguments on both sides for yay and for nay. And I think the big takeaway I had was, I think, people like Ryan Fitzpatrick who who outspokenly voted yes figured that they could probably get a better deal they might be able to get a better deal if they played a little more hardball talking about the players but I think if you're talking about getting 50% of let's say you know 900 million is not as much as 48% of a billion, you know, just to throw out some numbers as far as a TV contract. So in other words, they could have gotten a better, better deal had they played a little more hardball, but the big picture, the totality of it all, if they were to get the deal done now, they can go ahead and and ramp up with the TV partners and make a new media deal. They'd eventually get more money. The pie would be bigger um, if they did the deal now. So the sense of urgency was there. And I think, you know, as the coronavirus it kind of spread throughout the country and, and disrupted more of our lives, as that vote wore on, I think a lot of people realized that, like, hey, you know, these things kind of can happen. They could be dam- damaging to our economy. Let's get this this done right now. And I think you saw that reflected in the vote. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you're absolutely right about that, uh, Omar. Uh, I mean, if uh, I can't imagine if we had a labor dispute while this was going on right now of the coronavirus situation, as much as that taken off, uh, that's just one less thing uh, to deal with at this point in time. Omar, uh, before we let you go here, one thing I'm going to be asking you know people we talk to over the next couple of weeks while we're in this uh, time right now uh, is what, what, what's, what's kind of a positive message just out there for the folks uh, going through this time and uh, through this, this rough patch? What would you say to folks out there just to stay positive and, and keep encouraged right now? Well, I would say, you know, something I tell myself is, is you know, just to try to keep, you know, your, a routine. You know, I, I got to make sure that I keep my workouts in and, 
and really embrace the time I get with my family. And, and, you know, I travel a lot for work and I'm grounded right now. And I get to be, you know, Mr. Ruiz at home and, and teach my kids, you know, some of their curriculum. So try to find the, the, the positives, the benefits and everything. And, and, you know, kind of be judicious with your money and try to support your local community where you can and, and just, you know, be the good citizen, the, the great people that, that we always want to be, the better version of ourselves. You know, try to do that here in this in this next few few weeks, you know, maybe a few months, you know, while we're grounded and, and just to stay positive and, and spread that, you know, throughout our communities and, and, and hope for the best and, and, and to not lose hope. And I think that's, you know, part of, you know, what why we're doing what we're doing, Tyler here, just trying to, you know, keep normalcy and, and keep a routine and, and, and let people know that eventually we will get back to our kind of normal American lives, and, and football is a reminder of that. That's great. That's great. Absolutely. Omar, <laughs> where can uh, people see uh, all the work that you're grinding out uh, with NFL Network? And, uh, of course, I'm sure you're doing updates on social as well. Yeah, just, you know, social media, Omar D. Ruiz on uh, Twitter and Instagram. And, and you know, NFL Network is, is up and running live and direct as we speak. I'll be in studio this weekend and, and – uh, you know, we'll have all the free agency coverage because, you know, obviously the league year, you know, starts this week, but it'll continue uh, as long as uh, as long as we can do business. The NFL will and you can catch it all right, right on NFL Network. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Omar, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us and I will catch up again down the line. All right, Tyler. Anytime, buddy. I appreciate you. Big thanks to Omar Ruiz of the NFL Network for joining us here on the Jones Report today. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. Let's continue the NFL offseason discussion, starting out with Tom Brady. Brady headed to Tampa Bay to join the Buccaneers. It's been 14 seasons since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last made the NFL playoffs. But Tom, with the weapons that are there, with Mike Evans and uh you know OJ Howard and some of those other guys you know they they have some talent on that squad there at Tampa Bay better skill position players than Tom would have had in New England and not to mention that he's going to make more money than he did in New England if this is a comparison of the Patriots versus the Buccaneers this looks like a better situation for Tom right now to go to Tampa Bay. And the Chargers, you know, they're kind of just a mess right now as is. And, um, you know, the Colts may have been an option. I don't know. Some of these other teams and such. Tennessee closed the door, and they were pretty well set on Ryan Tannehill. You know, Tampa Bay, as odd as it may seem, this doesn't – in all actuality, seem like that bad of a situation for Tom Brady to put himself in to finish up his last couple years of his NFL career. He could have retired four or five years ago and would have had an incredible resume and such. I think this is, believe it or not, as weird as it may be, Tampa Bay in all circumstances actually seems to be the best fit. He got the money he wanted. He got a team with skill position players. He's not that too far from New York to go visit his oldest son. He can take a two-and-a-half-hour uh, direct flight there. And Bruce Arians is a pretty good head coach, too. 
this is not a bad circumstance for Tom Brady to be in, as weird as it may seem for him to go to the Buccaneers. Right, and the fact that, uh, you know, the Buccaneers fans seem welcome uh, for the fact that Tom Brady's coming. And I think, you know, any franchise that has suffered um, that doesn't have a decent quarterback right now would also have open arms, I would imagine. Um, so, I mean, this sounds like it's going to work for all parties here involved. And, um, you know, as far as Tom Brady, you know, goes um, in the history that he's made, no team has ever played in the Super Bowl in the same city um, from which it's from. Coincidentally, the Super Bowl is in Tampa Bay this year. I'm not, you know, we might not even get to We could talk all we want. Uh, about this, and and we still might, you know, have a Super Bowl where there's no fans in attendance. Right? Wouldn't that be awful? Um, oh gosh! But at least we'd have a Super Bowl uh, if that happened. Right. Uh, at this point, I'll take anything right now. But with that being said, Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, um, it's going to take some getting used to. It's going to be weird to see him in those ugly cream uniforms that that they roll out from time to time uh, when that does happen. But, you know, for, for Tom and his family and for all those involved, it just seems like this is what's best for him right now. And in New England, we might never know what exactly went down. That might be a story that uh, gets told in the future. But this felt like that this is a relationship between him and Belichick that – just finally hit a breaking point. It was 20 years together. Um, We know that Belichick was not going to give him special treatment, that he was going to be treated like any other player. And there in Tampa Bay, Tom gets control, gets to help out with the roster and the playbook and has some say-so in that, some things that maybe he didn't have control over there in New England. You were still going to be under Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. Um, you know, this type of deal where maybe it was just time for, for these two to depart. And I don't think this is this affects his legacy at all in New England. The six Super Bowl titles, the MVPs, still the greatest quarterback of all time, no matter what. New England uh, can never pay him back enough for what he did. But, uh, you know, all good things must come to an end uh, eventually at some point. And, and I guess it wasn't going to last forever between him and Belichick. Right, it wasn't. And maybe uh, the Tom Fullery version of this is what he would go down to Tampa Bay and put money, put some of that money into the, uh, the old strip mall. Because I'm sure Jupiter, Florida is not too far away from Tampa Bay. And maybe Robert Kraft, this has been in his plan the whole time. Right. <laughs> maybe, maybe that or he's moving closer down there to uh, to pay more visits. Right. Maybe, maybe um, that's it. Uh, Tom's that's always part. been his favorite son. Right. I mean, that's the funny part. But at the same time, uh, it is going to be weird seeing Tom Brady in a different jersey. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's it's mind-blowing. I mean, think of the last – who's the last – I mean, Peyton Manning was pretty weird to see in a Broncos jersey. That was pretty weird. Um, Brett Favre, Brett Favre in a Vikings jersey was a bit right. different. Joe Montana in a Chiefs jersey. That's kind of pre our time, but still the same. You know, Joe Namath in a Rams jersey. Right. Um, um, who's a, who's another one? 
Uh, there's been uh, several Jerry, others. Jerry Rice in a Seahawks uniform. Yeah, even with the Raiders, that was strange when he went across the bay. Um, right, okay, that's true. Heck, even Philip Rivers playing for the Colts is going to be a little different. Um, right, know, after Teddy all these Bridgewater years. for the Bears? Just kidding. Uh, um, uh, right. What could have been? <laughs> right. Uh, who's another one? Who are, the, who are some other ones that aren't quarterbacks? I'm trying to think. Running back-wise? Edger and James with the Cardinals was Cardinals. always weird. Emmett Smith. Yes. With the Cardinals. Yeah, that was strange. Uh, um, Kurt Warner. Uh, you know, Kurt Warner kind of made his stay in Arizona, I guess. That's fine. Yeah, and he's probably more loved in Arizona than he would be in uh, in New York, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. I mean, that would be like Eli Manning if he went to another team. Right. Now, obviously, right. he just said the hell with it and hung it up, but uh, which was probably the right thing to do. But, um, yeah, it's one of those situations where it's going to be – this is might be the biggest – yeah. Does ten now? Wait a second. Does Tampa Bay play New England this year? They do in Foxborough. Oh. oh my God! I can only get that. There's no sports, but my sports my sports boner can only get so hard on that. That's going to be coronavirus. Better be gone, right? Because we want be, fans we there. Back, we better be back to normal. And he's he should they. If I hear any booing, so help me God. Right there, there can't be. There oh, shouldn't be. There no. won't be. There better not be. No, not at all. Um, and you know, you know, Tampa Bay's going into Foxborough and winning that game. I think this Bucks team's actually pretty good. They went seven and nine last year with Jameis throwing thirty interceptions. Literally. But he had the most yards. He'd tell you he did. He did. He would tell you that he's worth thirty million dollars. Uh, so now, where does he go? That's an also an interesting. Who's I, I don't really Chargers? care. I don't really care about Jameis. He sucks. What? You love Jameis Winston. I liked him in college. Uh, I really could care less about what he does in the NFL. He's not an NFL starting caliber quarterback. Um, but with Tom Brady there in Tampa, I think that you know a lot of people were wondering what Tom has left in the tank because it was pretty obvious in the second half of last year that he was not the same quarterback, that his arm strength was shot um, that, you know, he was doing the short passing game and such. But, Tom, I think that Brady has another run left in him, that he can give two more years in Tampa Bay. This could be the extra motivation, the push he needs. They got a lot of talent there. I'm going to say this right now. I think Tom Brady's going to have a good season. Uh, I think he's going to manage the game. He's not going to do a whole lot throwing the football down the field, as although Bruce Arians likes to do that and move the football that way. Although Mike Evans is going to be the biggest wide receiver he's ever had, so maybe he does get to move it more than people think down the field that way. Uh, with that, all that being said, Tom, I think it's realistic that the Bucks can go 12-4 and and win the NFC South. In fact, I'll say this right now. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers will win the NFC South this year. You're saying they will. Yes. So get get me get me here. Get me here. Matt Ryan and Tom Brady back two games this year and then Drew Brees gets Drew Brees in a Brady matchup. Twice. Twice. And you're saying the Bucks are gonna come out and dethrone the Saints. 
I'm saying that right now. I think the Saints are going to be a wild card team. I think the Bucks will be a wild card team. Okay. But we do like them to make the playoffs, though. I mean, how can you not? I mean, Brady to Evans and then, you know, saying that and then with all this free agency and trades and all that thing, I always find a way. If we ever talk NBA, I always, you know, I always find a way to bring the Spurs into it. If we talk to NFL, I always try to find a way to bring the Rams we talk anything college, I find a way to bring Oklahoma State into it, always. Because you lack analogy comparisons. No, I, I will always be that way. Um, the Rams, Todd Gurley, from what I've heard, and this is this is just big news even if I wasn't a Rams fan, Todd Gurley, I heard, is on the block. Um, and a lot of people have mentioned the Bucks. They do have Ron Jones, who's pretty solid overall. But, uh, I mean... Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is in this position right now. They know they don't have Tom Brady for 10 years, right? I mean, they know they have him for probably two, right? Two years. I think this is when they just go all in. I think they just know that they can make a run, that they have a quarterback now who's been there. They have the receivers. Their defense is actually pretty good. I, I mean, there are a couple key pieces on that defense that are solid. No offense, Tom, but... I don't think Gurley has anything left. He's looking. Well, no, I mean, I don't think for that money. I mean, I say that in hopes that the Rams offload him because he's not worth that money. So if the Bucks want to make a run, by all means, take him. Right. Um, right. So that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I agree. There's younger backs out there that the Rams can work with, and we, they, we can figure this out a whole lot of ways. They can take Brandon Cooks, put Brandon Cooks on the Bucks with Mike Evans. So you got a speed guy and a possession receiver. Um, and that would be a Tom Brady dream. I mean, do you see Antonio worth, Brown joining no. the Bucks? That would be a big show. You want to talk about the ridiculousness of hard knocks? If Antonio Brown joined the Bucks, that would be. I mean, next you'd tell me that the Bucks would trade for John Gruden and have him come back to Tampa Bay, and have Bruce Arians be the OC. I think if anyone can make Antonio Brown work, it would be Tom Brady, if it can happen. Um, and we've heard this rumor for a while uh, of Antonio Brown. I don't think it will happen, but if anybody can make this work, uh, I think it's Tom Brady. Uh, we saw that when they worked together the first time there in New England, although it was short-lived, Tom said that Antonio Brown could live in his house and everything. He was that excited. And knowing that he has more control of this roster and personnel decisions, uh, this might be something that Tom says, hey, we're doing this, and the Bucks might not have a choice. I mean, maybe so. I mean, Bruce Arians is no slouch. I mean, he's had his falters for sure. Um, but Bruce Arians seems to be a pretty cut-and-dry, no-bullshit type guy. I mean, obviously Belichick's not. I mean, he's obviously that the epitome of that. He's the Webster dic- Dictionary definition of a no BS guy. Uh, that being said, Bruce Arians is kind of respected in this league, I'd imagine. I mean, he's, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, I think a great coach. Uh, you know, maybe not the best of runs in different places, but uh, Bruce Arians knows his stuff. At yeah. least, I mean, that's my opinion of him. I, I think he's solid overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's definitely in the upper echelon of coaches, in my opinion. Um, that being said, uh, they could bring him in and and see how it works. I mean, they're 
we and this is what's this is what's always exciting. Like we are not even to the draft yet, and we're already talking NFL. And it's almost becoming like with all these trades: Rivers going to the Colts, Bridgewater to the Bears, Brady to the Bucks. Uh, I mean, all these trades are happening. I mean, the landscape of the NFL is getting switched around by the day. Uh, almost in the same regard that we saw the uh, the NBA do this last season, just the whole landscape being changed uh i mean stars going to different places that you would never expect um and it's exciting and we're not even we're you know 10 percent into maybe not even 10 percent into what we would call the off season uh and and even the the best thing about this is we're on a sports hold right now so this is all what we have to hold on to Right, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and right. we're and still the having the NFL offseason so far at this point. It's still, Right, and it's getting wild, too. It's not just a normal, calm, you know, There's there's been some things that have already happened that we're thinking, oh, my, uh, you know, in seasons past where it's been pretty calm, and, and right. you can kind of right, right. guess of where, you know, people are going. Yeah, well, let's uh, stay on topic. Let's couple. stay on topic here. I want to I want to talk about New England now. Um where do where they do, go? Where, where do they go? Jarrett Stidham? Is he really the guy? I mean, he wasn't even that great at Auburn, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, really, Belichick can't be putting his faith in him. Teddy Bridgewater, who I thought was the best quarterback on the market, he's already gone. He's in Carolina. They're going to be drafting late. Do you trade up and maybe go get Justin Herbert? Do you give the moon and go get Tua or something? Or do you go pay Jacoby Bursett for next to nothing, who's not going to cost you that much, who still has a good relationship with uh, Belichick and company here? I mean, Tom Brady, I know that he wasn't going to be very cheap, that if he was going to stay in New England, he wasn't taking much of a discount this time, that he wanted to make some good money towards the end of his career here. But the quarterback options that are available right now Unless you're willing to give up a lot in trade uh, up in the draft of the quarterbacks available just on the market, no one's even close even right now with his lack of arm strength and what it is, the quarterback who he is today. No one out there is even close to being as good as Tom Brady that's available right now. No, there's there's really not. I mean... You would you would imagine that Bridgewater might have been the answer at least maybe I mean who knows short term long term I, I mean I would have to think that they would trade up uh, I mean and they're they don't have that high of a pick anyway so they're gonna have to to lose some you know maybe some key pieces do you uh, I mean who do you who do you let go Are they gonna I mean, go into total rebuild mode and maybe even let this season fall off and try to go get Trevor Lawrence or Brock Purdy or somebody in next year's draft? I mean, is that a possibility of the Patriots unloading and rebuilding completely? This is where they get Jalen Hurts. Like I had I had looked in my crystal ball. This is where they get Jalen Hurts. This is where it's going to happen. I mean, to be honest, I mean, I joke, but at the same time, I'm not saying that wouldn't – I mean, that wouldn't be the – the worst thing i could see that happening for sure um but as far as rebuilding goes there's nobody i would want to rebuild under besides belichick uh, i mean it seems that they would make you know 
that he's already made seemingly the the right decisions and uh, I would trust Belichick before I would trust most to go under a rebuild and make it work uh, it's essentially about finding the right one and you know McDaniels is there still in New England he knows his quarterbacks Belichick obviously does uh, I mean they got Tom Brady where they got Tom Brady and it seemed to work out for 20 years so who's to say they're not going to get a fourth round quarterback uh, and make him you know the next big thing well you mentioned Josh McDaniels and the one time that he was a head coach and got to draft a quarterback, he uh, he chose Tim Tebow, and he thought that was his guy. Um, hey, I mean, he he they won a playoff game. He, he, I remember. He, I know you know that game. There's a classic game you can watch, Jones. I, I just might actually. That was the one time <laughs> where I I, uh, I didn't feel too bad losing because I liked him so much. Um, you know that one did it hurt? Yes, but not <laughs> that bad. That Steeler team wasn't really going anywhere anyway um, <laughs> that year, to be honest. And uh, it just reassured my doubt about Mike Tomlin. But that's a whole other story for another day. Um, with that being said, the, the rest of these moves: Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina. I think that Teddy was the best quarterback on the market, but Carolina, I don't think really had much of a quarterback need. I like Cam. I still think Cam can play. I know he's got some health issues, but the quarterback you picked up, hello, Teddy Bridgewater, has had more injury issues than anybody else. So to me, uh, there's got to be something else going on here. Matt Rule must not like what he's seen from Cam Newton, some character issues of some sorts. We know that Cam has had some problems in the past, uh, he said straight up he doesn't want to be traded, that he wants to stay in Carolina here. Uh, there's got to be something else going on here because Cam, I still think, can play, Tom. I think he can too. Maybe it's just to put a little heat on him. Maybe it's an insurance policy. Uh, I mean, it worked out for the Saints this year, obviously. Um, so maybe an insurance policy. And you know how Matt Rule is. Teddy Bridgewater did not go to the Panthers to be a backup. I mean... Maybe not. Maybe they just put some heat and take the best, you know. Maybe if they, obviously, if they have Cam Newton, maybe they trade Cam Newton to the Chargers. That's a possibility. That I could see. The Chargers claim they're going to go forward with Tyrod Taylor and then draft a quarterback, but... There's no way. Tyrod cannot be your guy. Uh, I don't care if you're even drafting a quarterback. Tyrod cannot be your day one starter. I mean, he was for the Browns, and but not for very long. Right, exactly. Um, and then for the Bills, you know, had a short stint. I mean, he's a journeyman. I mean, he's a great backup. I would, you know, for whatever it's worth, if if that's what you needed out of him, sure. But to be day one uh, for a Carolina team who has a Christian McCaffrey that they can rely on is still not going to work out. Right. Uh, I mean, that's just not something you want to rely on or hold on to too much, but. Right. That's, you know, I'm not an NFL coach. Uh, Nick Foles goes to Chicago. Um, I'm out on Mitch Trubisky. I'm done with him. Uh, I don't know how you feel, Tom. But uh, considering that they could have had Teddy Bridgewater, it looked like he was heading there. Um, missed out on him, and now you end up with Nick Foles. I mean, Nick's not bad, but considering what they could have had, um, that's disappointing for the Bears. And I still think Foles is a significant upgrade from uh, from Mitch, though. Yeah, I think so. And, and we're going to see how that's going to work. Uh, I mean, 
Trubisky has had his moments, but, you know, for the most part, he's been sorry. Uh, he had his one shining moment, it seemed like, there for a little bit. Um, Foles, can he, you know, he's obviously a journeyman at this point, too, but uh, he saved the day before. Can he, I mean, you're in a in a division with Stafford, who is, uh, we'll see what happens in Detroit, but, I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers and then uh, that Vikings team who just lost Stephon Diggs. Um so is it doable with the defense? Yes, I think so. Um, it has to be better than last year for Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Indy brings in Phillip Rivers. You have a good running back in Marlon Mack. T.Y. Hilton somehow is still there after all these years. Um, they got some talented players. That first half of the season, this team was really good. Uh, they beat Kansas City. They beat Andrew. They beat uh, Andrew Luck. They beat uh, Patrick Mahomes when he was healthy. Um, I mean, they showed a lot of promise. They love to run the football. I think Frank Frank Wright's a good coach. Philip Rivers and Frank Wright have a good relationship and such. If Phil Rivers can somehow cut back on the interceptions instead of the twenty some odd picks he threw last year, if he can be more accurate. Um, this could be a playoff team. I don't think that's a, a reach by any means that Phil Rivers could take this team to the uh, the playoffs there in Indy. No, I mean, they were right there last year. I, I mean, I don't think that's too crazy uh, to say. I mean, new start for Phillip Rivers, you know, fresh slate. Uh, I could see him doing really well in Indy. Yeah. Um, I don't necessarily like him for that price of, what was it, like $29.5 million, something ridiculous, but it is a short-term contract. So uh, it does seem like, Tom, that the Colts are kind of in win-now mode right now. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, and with the coach they have, I mean, they're down to take chances. They've shown that um, in, in recent games, and some worked out, some didn't. Uh, but I think they're in win now mode too. Uh, you know, Philip Rivers, he's not the youngest quarterback, um, but I think they can get a lot out of him, and uh, I, I think the Colts will be okay. Uh, Tennessee, they went ahead and gave Tannehill a new contract. He is getting paid close to thirty million dollars. Uh, quite the turnaround for Tannehill, who was a backup quarterback halfway through the regular season last year. And uh, so now he gets paid, and they tag Derrick Henry. And look, I get it that Derrick Henry was the workhorse. He made it happen. He's the reason why they got to the AFC Championship. But running backs have a short leash in the National Football League. Quarterbacks, we've seen. Tom Brady's playing at 43 years of age. They go a lot longer. Um, This was not about right now. This was about the future. And, uh, I mean... I get it that Derrick Henry's the better player of the two and, you know, probably deserves more money-wise. But if you're going to give me a long-term option, Tom, I know I would not have said this five months ago, but if we're talking long-term, I think they made the right choice, basically choosing Tannehill over Henry right now. Right, yeah, for sure. I mean, and especially the usage rate on Derrick Henry. I mean, you can only put out that production for so long until it catches up with you or an injury happens and then you're not, you know, you're a shell of your former self, uh, a la Todd Gurley. Um, that being said, I think they made the right decision too. Tannehill seemed to have found a home 
uh, where, you know, it's working out for him, obviously, and I think the Titans are just going to be fine uh, under old Patriots boy. Yeah, yeah under Vrabel, that, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, Dallas, they put the tag on Dak, still no deal. Dak wants $40 million, but when you see Tannehill get paid 30 he actually might be helping his case. Um, Amari Cooper did get paid. He got some nice money there. Uh, what do you make of that situation in Dallas, Tom? I think that uh, that Dak, this all actually might work itself out. I thought that he should have taken the money a while ago, but seeing these other quarterbacks get paid, uh, he's actually helping out his case. Although Dallas, with the money that just paid Cooper and some of these other guys, it's going to be hard to actually find that money for Dak long term. Right, yeah, they're going to have to work out the kinks there. Um I mean, Dak is not terrible, right? They're not terrible. And he has some really great games and some really bad games. Just very inconsistent. Um, but that being said, I mean, you know what you're going to get pretty much from Dak. I mean, you know, I feel like the ceiling's there. Um, I mean, I'm sure they wish they could, you know, it makes you, if you're a Dallas fan, maybe you're more grateful for the Tony Romo days um, now considering all things. But. Uh, he's going to get that money, and, and Dallas is going to be Dallas. Uh, I mean, until – I don't know. My opinion on Dallas is a lot more biased than it should be. But I think until Jerry Jones leaves the coop, uh, things are going to be the way they've always been in Dallas. We, we talked about this with Omar earlier. Uh, the Raiders, you bring in Mariota, and you still have Derek Carr there. I don't think they're going to end up drafting a quarterback since they got those two. And considering all the needs that they have, uh, at least not in the first round, not a first-round quarterback. Um, You bring in Jason Witten. It's interesting that Mariota is in kind of the same position that Tannehill was in behind him. If you're Derek Carr, who actually had a decent year last year statistically, Derek Carr is going to have to be on his A game every week. Because uh, Mariota is uh, is going to be waiting in the wings for his opportunity, and you know Mariota's had had his moments. He won you know a, a playoff game there in Tennessee, uh, beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Um, I think that a rejuvi- rejuvenated Mariota actually might be a good option when he's been healthy. He's been a good quarterback. Problem is he hasn't been healthy, so. Derek Carr better be on his A game because uh, Mariota, I think, could be ready if, if he gets his number called. Right, I think, and that's almost be like, a, you know, it's good to have competition. It's good to have that behind you, and sometimes that can put a boot in your ass and, and, you know, make you get it together if you know there's someone else gunning for your job. Um, so, I mean, Mariota still could be a great quarterback. It's just, you know, it's the health issues at this point that, that really has kind of derailed his career a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jason Witten, uh, he joins the Raiders. And, uh, look, Witten is so old now and, you know, fragile and such. I don't think Witten is that big of a signing. I do think it does go back to the fact that Gruden loves these older players and personally, Tom, if I'm in their position, I would not have been wasting money on Jason Witten. I know that he's a future Hall of Famer and he's had a great career and everything here. But if you're the Raiders, you need to get young. You need young talent. To me, bringing in a guy like Witten just doesn't make any sense. I mean, unless you're looking for like veteran 
locker room presence, then maybe. But at the same time, I don't know what his contract was. But I, for the Raiders' sake, I hope it wasn't a lot. Right, right. Um, you know, trying to sell tickets in that new stadium. Maybe it's something to that effect. Uh, we'll see. The big one, and we were kind of going through the quarterbacks first, but now the uh, biggest trade of this offseason so far has been that of DeAndre Hopkins uh, heading from Houston to Arizona. First off, uh, we've been very critical of Bill O'Brien over the years on this show, and I think this takes the cake. Uh, Bill O'Brien is a dumbass. Um, That's been well established, but this one – to you know, trade DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of Cheetos just made no sense. Uh, you know the you know running back that he brings in. You know David Johnson. Uh, he's had a good career, but he's old. He's got a bad contract. Um, you got a second round pick. Okay, congrats. You know what? You just gave up a Hall of Fame receiver. Okay, I mean like that's what we're talking about. So uh, I'm happy for Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald, that they get a great weapon to add to their group and a good job by Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, that air raid offense is going to be dynamic. That's going to be a lot of fun. Good for those guys. But for Tennessee, or for uh, for Houston, this just makes no sense. But it's not surprising at all. I mean, not from the track record of Bill O'Brien. I mean, at least take their first-round pick. Um, I mean, get Hopkins and... Or if you're going to give him Hopkins, at least get the Cardinals' first-round pick and go get C.D. Lamb to replace Hopkins in some form. Now, you know, they have Will Fuller, who came from Notre Dame. I've always been a fan of his. Uh, he's a great overall wide receiver. But now you make Fuller essentially number one on that team, um, and, and you're not doing Houston any favors. Uh, I mean, for Deshaun Watson, I mean, hell, if he wanted to, he could run the ball himself. They're They're – Last year, they weren't a run-based team, and, and Johnson, you know, had a great career, but he's not he, hes not some replacement. And, and for the Cardinals, they just get, you know, end up getting better stuff. Their first-round pick, that I believe their fourth overall uh, pick. And then you have a new quarterback, Kyler Murray, who's obviously pretty good. Uh, Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald is that uh, locker room presence and, and still a great wide receiver. Uh, potential to get CeeDee Lamb. You just lock up Kenyon Drake. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, from here, I mean, the Cardinals just almost a rich get richer. Yeah. Even though, I mean, the Cardinals aren't rich yet, but it's very promising. Right. They need to shore up that defense. And uh, if they do that, this could be a team that uh, finishes above 500 this year. I think that's a possibility for Arizona at this point in time uh, and continue to prove that offensive line. Um Cleveland, they had Austin Hooper, the uh, tight end from Atlanta. Very good tight end. And so now, Baker Mayfield has the skill position players. That's very obvious. Nick Chubb at the running back position. Uh, you got Hooper at tight end. Uh, of course, you got Odell and Jarvis and those guys. They are loaded at the skill positions. And what I like about this move, though, Tom, is it actually helps them in two ways. The Cleveland offensive line sucked ass last year. I mean, they were just awful, that offensive line. And that was the biggest problem that I think Baker dealt with all year was just how bad that offensive line was. 
Now you bring in Hooper, and he solves two problems. He can block for you, and he can catch passes. They still need to get more help on the line in general, but I like this trade for Cleveland because uh, you help out in two areas in that regard. Yeah, you really do, and and uh, I mean, at this point, it's it's make or break for Baker now, in my opinion. Yes, uh, I mean they have what they he has what he needs. Um, obviously, Freddie Kitchens was not the answer, and so it's kind of like, all right, well, let's see where we go here from now. But uh, he has what he needs. It's there's no shortage. You know, the offensive line still might not be that great but uh we're gonna we're gonna find out this season and this is uh this is in my opinion a make or break yeah uh i am nervous about kevin skafanski's offense though it's sometimes uh last year watching the vikings it looked like they were running out of 1980 um they have to (laughs) modernize it a bit uh you know so we'll see what he can put together for baker there let's move on talk chiefs chris jones gets the franchise tag a non-exclusive franchise tag though and it seems like just a couple of weeks ago, we heard Chris Jones say that he wanted to be a chief for life. And now where we're at right now, it would appear that Chris Jones's days in Kansas City are numbered. The math just doesn't add up that um, it just does not look like that there's going to be the money there to make this happen. And we thought this for quite some time, but it seems like Chris Jones and his camp are just now getting uh, a grips of this as well, that um, there just isn't space, that you have to pay Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs are already $6 million over the cap at this point. Uh, Mahomes is going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league. Maybe you keep Chris Jones for this year and let it play out because who knows how much value you're really going to get for a franchise-tagged player in Chris Jones. Maybe you go ahead and uh, take the penalty of, of not trading him and just hold on to him and hope to win another Super Bowl with him and let him go after that. But uh, either way, there's just no getting around this. Uh, Chris Jones is an all-pro defensive player, maybe the second-best defensive lineman in the league behind Aaron Donald. Um, But you are going to lose him. I mean, one way or the other, whether it's after this franchise tag or trading him, the future for Chris Jones in Kansas City is just unlikely right now. Right, it is. And, it, I mean, that's just – it's business. That's what it comes down to. And you have to make tough decisions on who to who to keep and who to let walk. And, uh, you know, you see what kind of value you're going to get out of him this year and, and maybe then figure it out after that. That's what's great about the franchise tag. It allows you to figure a few things out and gives you a little bit more time to restructure or readjust if that's a kind of a move you're trying to make long term. Right. Um, so, hell, you know, for the Chiefs, Go go win another Super Bowl and just say, you know what? Thank you for your time. Uh, we wish we could pay you, but we can't. Right. Uh, if that's what it comes down to. But, I mean, hell, that's what you use the franchise tag for. Make another run at it and see what happens after that. Well, and, and much like we talked about with Brady, if you have an all-pro season from Chris Jones and they win another Super Bowl, it's hard not to say that Chris Jones with two rings wouldn't deserve to be in the Chiefs' ring of honor, even though it would be a short stay. Uh, if he gets another ring there, he'll still be loved forever in Kansas City and uh, still have a legacy there to carry on. So um, it might be worth it to go ahead and keep Chris Jones, even if you're not going to get any value uh, later on uh, with that, with Chris Jones there. Uh, Sammy Watkins 
we said last year during training camp that when you looked at his contract, there was a team option where they could release him and have no penalty of any kind. And when you win the Super Bowl, that's when things start to change as far as interest goes. We've heard, like, for example, in Tampa, that some veteran players are willing to take a discount to go play with Tom Brady and go play with the Buccaneers and join that situation. Well, now we're already starting to see that trickle in Kansas City with them winning the Super Bowl, is that there is an interest of some NFL players to take a discount because they want to be a part of a team that uh, wins the Super Bowl. Tom, you, you like NBA comparisons. We saw this a lot from uh, Boris Diaw as he tried to uh, chase championships towards the end of his uh, career. Or uh, uh, was it Boris? David West. David West, that's who it was, yes. David West. <laughs> Don't put that bad juju on Boris Diaw. He is a, he is a gift and a man of honor, Boris Diaw okay. is. Not Boris Diaw. I, I was Boris close. Diaw and I immediately thought he can't be serious because I knew it was David West. David yes, West, David yes. West did. David, sure. but anyways, with with that being said, uh, finding those guys that are willing to take the discount and Sammy Watkins, you are not going to pay him the rest of his contract. That is going to be signed, sealed, delivered. He's done. Um, but if he wants to pay play for less, and there's a rule, sounds like that he might be willing to. Instead of saying, you know what, Sammy, fifteen million dollars, nah. How about seven? Maybe even ten. If you want, if he wants to take that, take less to still be a part of this team. By all means, Sammy Watkins would be the Chiefs would be glad to have him back in Kansas City for fifteen million dollars. No, sir, for seven or maybe even ten. Now we're talking. Yeah, for ten, I think you got to have him back. Uh, for fifteen, you got to let that walk for sure. But uh, I mean, if he wants to stay. Then I, you know, if you really want to stay, you're going to make something work. Um, and and he looked a lot better last year than he has in recent years, and has been able to build that chemistry in Kansas City. And I wouldn't be shocked if he does stay for less. Yeah, that could make sense. Uh, also, in the Chiefs front, Tom, uh, good news for us: we get to make another year of uh, of the Chad Henney Hennessy campaign. Um, and hopefully he doesn't get hurt because we can actually pump this thing out. But uh, they did choose Chad Henney over Matt Moore. They couldn't afford to have both of them. didn't make sense to really have both of them on the roster. They go ahead and go forward with Chad Henney here. I know he was injured last year, but they made it pretty clear that he was their first choice. They you know, tried them both out a couple of years ago, and Henney was the guy that ultimately got the job. Um you know, he's been a starter in this league before. He knows the system. Um, if Patrick Mahomes is going to miss a couple of games, and he missed some games this year, I know Matt Moore was good, but uh, Chad Henney's your first choice. I, I like that to uh, to bring back Chad Henney to beat the backup and not cost you too much. Right, right, yeah. I mean, and, I mean, you really can't make – uh, you know, a, a run at anything advertising wise with the name last name of Moore. I mean, maybe you can, but not like you can Henny. Uh, and so, for that fact alone, uh, with no stake in the Chiefs game on my end, I am glad they kept Chad Henny. Yes, yeah, Chad Henny's Hennessy lives to see another day. Uh, who the Chiefs did lose, though, Emmanuel Ogbaugh, who was leading the team in sacks before he got hurt in that game against Tennessee. 
Um, he's done. He's headed to Miami. I liked Ogba, and I really liked him for the price that they had him at last year. But when they were winning without him, and then the money that he ended up earning himself, he actually got a pretty good contract from Miami. Um, this is one of those deals, Tom, where would I've liked to have seen Ogba stay in uh, Kansas City, of course. But it turned out that they actually didn't really need him, and he got rewarded there in Miami. So it's one of those deals where um, – I feel happy for him. I would love to see him stay, but I'm happy that he gets rewarded and gets to be the guy in Miami, comparably speaking, when he was originally fighting for playing time just to get on the field in KC. Now he's going to be a solid starter for that Dolphin squad. Right, I think so. And and he still has like a lot of life left on him. Uh, as far as a you know, defensive lineman goes, I think you know, even could probably play uh, maybe linebacker in some positions. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think he'll be on the line, but uh, I think he's Ogba still has a lot of life left with him uh, in him, and you know his injury wasn't too terrible, so I think he'll be all right. I think Miami will be a good fit for him. Last one, Kendall Fuller. Uh, the Chiefs, of course, traded for him a couple of years ago when they uh, sent Alex Smith out to Washington. They bring in Fuller. Fuller had a good run uh, there in Kansas City, but he did deal with some injuries. Um, They wanted him to be the number one corner after they moved on from Marcus Peters, but he could never really fulfill that role of a number one corner. He goes back to Washington, and Washington has never been afraid to throw out cash in free agency, and they gave him the money of a number one cornerback. Um, I like Kendall Fuller. He's a good player, but uh, you don't pay a guy to be what would we say all season long Tom that the Chiefs did not have a number one corner they had about three number two corners and you don't pay a second or third cornerback first cornerback money it just doesn't make sense and uh, so Kendall Fogler much like Emmanuel Ogba thank you for your service he was a big help in the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl but they did not need to bring him back for that cost right no that's way too much money and if Washington wants to go that route and pay him all that money, by all means, take him. Right, exactly. So uh, with that being said, we have uh, circled the wagon with uh, NFL free agency and trades and such. A lot to cover, but we broke it all down for you. And now we will move on to our final segment of the show before we get out of here today. Time for our Tom Fullery story of the week this week. Tom, where are we headed? So we are going to none other in a place called Little Darlings. You ever been? No. Where, where is Little Darlings? Little Darlings is in Sin City, Las Vegas. Uh, title reads, uh, this was yesterday, Las Vegas Trip Club to remain open despite virus as drive through shows start Friday. <laughs> Las Vegas, as the governor of Nevada issues a directive to close all non-essential businesses for a minimum of 30 days, one strip club said it will remain open. Little Darlings, owned by Deja Vu in Las Vegas, said it will remain open because it continues to abide by the CDC and prevention social distancing guidelines. Ryan Carlson, director of operations, said it will continue its tradition of offering new dances, new dancing for 30 years. Guests who are interested in further separation will be able to view drive through strip shows starting on Friday, March 20th. And on Saturday, we will be launching our new 
feature show at midnight. XXX nude hand sanitizer wrestling. <laughs> the strip club said America remains a free country with strippers as a fabric of the American life. God bless. Carlson explained the world cannot stop turning for a cold. Well, I wouldn't call it just a cold, but according to Nevada Health Response COVID-19 Risk Mitigation Initiative, that's long, Little Darlings was classified as non-essential. <laughs> I would imagine. Oh, uh, wonder Jones, why. All right, yeah. All right. For the novelty of this, are you going to the XXX nude hand sanitizer wrestling? Uh, that would be no. I'll have to pass. Drive through. That's that's gonna be a no for me. Did you do the angry beer yoga? The angry beer yoga? I, I did not. Remember, remember that it was in Kansas City. Oh, that's right. Yes, I totally forgot about that. No, right? Because you were supposed to go with me and you didn't show up. What if I told you I'm paying seventy five dollars to go have you fly out of KCMO to go watch the. XXX nude hand sanitizer wrestling tomorrow. I think I'm going to pass. I think I'm going to stay uh, quarantined at home. Maybe we'll find a live stream. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I, I don't that's even want to know. That's called I private that's mode. Very, this is very innovative. Yeah, that's 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 going to require the incognito mode on the on the Google. Right, there you go. This is uh it is very tomfoolery this is. Uh and it's funny because they have a big LED sign that says coronavirus free lab dances. Um, I, for one, as far as innovation goes, like this. I wouldn't go. I'm supposed to go to Vegas in middle of May, and that is being put on hold as of this past week. Um, so... If it's still, if we're still doing that and I somehow make it to Vegas, I'll give an update in middle of May when I find this place and uh, give an update on the XXX nude hand sanitizer wrestling if that's still been going on. Now, tell me this. Are they really wasting hand sanitizer or is that just a name? No, it's definitely just that. It has, it's like the like a, a riff on the martini called the Quarantini. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, they're not putting hand sanitizer in it by any means, but... Oh, thank uh, goodness. Know, just for marketing purposes. Right. Uh, especially that would... All that hand sanitizer, if that would dry out your skin so fast, that would not be good on the skin. I think I'm almost at a point, Tom, where I've been washing my hands too much. My, my hands have been pretty dry. Uh, I bet, yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, you'd rather be have your hands dry than have the coronavirus. Right, yeah, given the choice. So I'll take the uh, the uh, first option. Right, um, right. <laughs> right. Um, but this uh, this wrestling, are, are they expecting very many people there? I saw that uh, capacity for the Cosmopolitan in Vegas right now is only at like 40% or less. Well, I imagine so. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't want to be in Vegas right now. There's no way. Uh, with the draft coming up, I mean, still, I would not want to be there. Uh, even if they said they were going to let me drive the boat to and from the stage. Uh, I mean, I would not want to be in any big city or, I mean, right now I'm doing good to be in Bartlesville. There's one confirmed case as of today in Washington County, which is where Bartlesville is located. Uh, and from what I've heard, they are at the hospital in Bartlesville. 
Um, so I couldn't imagine, and I'm, it kind of giving me mild anxiety. I couldn't imagine being in a big city uh, where there's more than one confirmed case, and it's just you know running rampant. Um, so we're gonna see how this all goes, and and maybe uh, I'll switch from karaoke, and maybe I'll start my own XXX nude hand sanitizer wrestling here in Bartlesville. What would be your coronavirus themed? Uh, event or something of some sorts. If if you could start something with with the name coronavirus in it, what would it be? Now we're coming up real quick on May the fifth, uh, and I don't know if this is going to be over by single day mile. Uh, and so if that doesn't get any play, uh, if this is still going around, then I don't know what will. Oh yeah, the the other day I, I was at the store and I think I sent you a snap. I saw some corona and I said it's time to fight fire with fire. Right, exactly. There was a there was another sign at the Quick Trip on Twenty First and Sheridan the other day when I was there, or maybe it was Twenty First Memorial. Uh, this said Coronavirus uh, Regiment, and it was a bunch of Powerade drinks and Five Hour Energies, and I thought you've got to be kidding me. That's pretty good. Right. I mean, it sounds bad to make a play on such a serious thing, but at the same time, I almost feel like a little bit is necessary to keep everybody's sanity. Right. You we, almost have to. I mean, it's serious, but you almost have to make fun of it to. That's just what it comes down to. We have to laugh and relieve ourselves of some sorts to. Uh, what kind of relief are you doing? Kind of relief am I doing? Uh, <laughs> I have uh, been watching The Office. And I've uh, been playing video games. That's how I have passed the time. But the struggle is real. The struggle is real. And not to mention, I don't know what it's like in Lawrence right now, but uh, Bartlesville looks about to be about 65 degrees and the sun is out. Uh, and it just looks like a beautiful day. Um, so I might social distance myself out in my backyard with a cold beer here in a little bit. That's the other thing too, folks, is that while this is going on, um, you can still go outside. Uh, I mean, I think should... it's necessary. I yeah, think, I mean that needs to happen. You got to get the vitamin. You got to get the sun shining on. You got to get the vitamin D. Like keep your keep your six feet distance from people, but you can still go on a jog, walk the dog, ride the bike. Uh, you know, play frisbee. You know, all that now stuff. Don't ride. Don't ride the public bikes. Right, right. Ride your own bike. No lime scooters either. Yeah, uh, I know that might be tough for uh, for some, but I mean, I, you got I love the limes. I like the lime scooter too. I mean, they are a lot of fun. Not right now. I'm not half of them though. There. When you get on them, Tom, it seems like the batteries are dead. The people are idiots and don't know how to put it on the charger. Right, right. That are really and 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 we know. I mean, you know who Blake is. They might not, but another one of our friends. Uh, he is adamant on the limes when we go out and ride limes, and that's something they love to do um, when it's nice out, ride the limes. And we go, sounds terrible, but we go bar hopping on the limes. Um, <laughs> you can still I get mean, a DUI for that, can't you? You can, but I'd, I'll take my chances um, uh, on that. But uh, as far as that goes, he likes to check the tires, and we will go and find limes that have good tread on the tires because they are better. And it, we, we've compared them, and it is, it is a fact. Because some of those tires are just worn out, um, and some of them are really, you know, you can tell. 
by the tread on the tires which ones are new. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. We got to run. Um, before we get out of here today, I, I just want to tell you guys, we're, we're still going to be here, still do this show. Um, we might have to get creative, uh, but I think that this is where Tom and I could really excel is, uh, you know, we, we love we to go. We're best on tangents. Yes. The, half this show is uh, is tangents anyway. And so. And it's great. That's how we ended up with Mayo, Florida. That's true. That is exactly true. And, uh you know, there, there have been show ideas that we've thought of over the years that we just never got to because we were too busy with other things. We've been it's talking safe. for years that we wanted to do a special on just food and do some of our, talk about some of our favorite foods and, and different things. Uh, maybe bring in a celebrity chef like Wolfgang Pock or something like that. I was thinking about bringing in Dave and yeah. doing just a, a, maybe a live video pizza review. Yeah, something like that. So... Maybe in this stretch we'll finally do our food show uh, of some sorts. Um, but we're open to all ideas. Uh, we also would, would you know, guess, this is a unique time on the guest front, too. I know we had a great NFL guest today in Omar, but if you got non-sports people that you think would be a good interview during this time, let us know, because now is as good of a time as ever to talk to those folks. And uh, also on the sports front, too, um, everybody is pretty much available right now. If you need me for even an interview or something, if you're a college kid listening and trying to work on a project because you got these online things, let me know. I'd be glad to help out. Or if you need me to come on a show, or if you have somebody in mind, there's a pretty good chance that we can get them now as opposed to if they were going to be on during their busy season of some sorts. Um, and nobody's taking vacations right now either. So if you had a guest in mind, you know, sports-related or non-sports-related, this is probably as good of a time as ever to get them on the show. So please send them our direction, and uh, we will go from there. Uh, I also want to say, you know, I'll, I'll let Thomas start off first, but um, as we go through this stretch, it's not an easy time right now. Tom, what, what are some words of encouragement or advice that you would have for the uh, the people out there as uh, we go through this uh, coronavirus struggle together here? You know, I don't know if uh, I have, maybe I'm the one looking for advice right now. Uh, no, nah, I mean, really, I would say uh, if you have any hobbies, definitely pick those up. Um, my side hustle hobby is obviously uh in the uh in the dumpster fire right now as far as karaoke and djing goes but i might even mess around tonight and do a live stream and uh maybe you'll see me with a bottle of whiskey in hand and, and a microphone in my garage uh belting out uh it's the end of the world as we know it um so maybe maybe you get that that'll be insta thomas on instagram tonight and i'll probably be about several beers deep um, so we shall see. Yeah. Well, I, I would tell you folks, uh, stay positive, stay, stay encouraged. There are better days ahead. Um, we'll all get this through this together. And I think that eventually when we get to the recovery portion, it's going to be pretty quick. Um, that, you know, when we do actually clear this out, that, uh, the economy and all that is going to be back pretty fast, uh, whenever that day comes. Um, but 
you know, I, I got to say, just enjoy the time with your loved ones around you. Take care of the older folks, too. Uh, Tom, he, he doesn't know I was going to say this, but he, he picked up groceries for his grandma just yesterday and was looking out for her so she didn't have to go out in the store. If you can help out your grandparents or elderly folks to avoid them getting out and go do some shopping or errands for them, by all means, please do so. And I'd be looking out for them and have their best interest. That's what I would say. But on that note, we got to run. Uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash Tyler Jones Live, Tyler Jones Media Group, Twitter at Tyler Jones Live, at Thomas underscore Bridges, at TJ Media Group, Instagram. You're going to watch Tom's live stream doing karaoke from his house and drinking whiskey at Insta Thomas. Uh, I'm at Tyler Jones Live and uh, at Jones underscore report. And uh, subscribe to the show, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. And uh, we'll see you on the other side. Have a great week, everybody. This has been another edition of the Jones Report. We'll see you next week. So long. The Jones Report. F*** yeah.